0: cynthia hyatt
1: welcome to conversations with cynthia i'm cynthia hyatt and so glad that you joined me this afternoon and i'm saying wow if you are new to the show and this is the first time you've tuned in well i really appreciate that you're taking your time just to maybe give some good things to you and to give some encouragement some direction some guidance just some support to, to you. And, you know, this, this world is kind of tough sometimes. Even though there's phenomenally wonderful things here, there's also lots of stress and lots of pain and heartache and upset and insecurity and uncertainty. And so I'm glad that you're taking time just to maybe get some... Some feelings that are quite uplifting and maybe starting your week out right. So make sure you look at the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. We're making a couple changes on that. And I'm also very excited. We're not done yet, but we are finally getting all of the shows loaded. And they should be available on a myriad of podcasts that I'll be letting you know what podcast servers are are really... to be holding the shows and so that will make it easier as well for you to listen just at your leisure so we did two weeks the last two weeks we did you know how do you know when you need professional help and we've had some great feedback so i love getting your comments and i appreciate you telling me what helps what doesn't i always want to encourage you to just email me you can also um message me messenger me through facebook Uh, LinkedIn, you can get a hold of me, you can certainly go through the website and my email at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you have a particular topic that just you'd like, you'd like me maybe to elucidate on to talk about to expound on to just maybe give some encouragement or just some overall general education. So I'd love to do that for you. So we did those last two weeks on how to know if you need professional help. So I hope those were helpful and they seem to be. And I thought maybe, just kind of as a way to dovetail what we were talking about, I'm going to talk to you about your guaranteed value and really, truly self-worth and value. And so I'm going to, I, I kind of entitled this show, Stop Trying So Hard, You're Worth More Than You Think. You're worth way more than you could ever imagine. And so sometimes we work so hard at trying to achieve value and worth instead of just resting in the fact that we are valuable. And the reason that we know that to be true is not necessarily because we feel that way all the time. I wish I always felt my value. But it's true because the Creator says it's true. The One Who Made You has determined that you are valuable. And as with any artist... Even if the world doesn't get the artist's work, the artist loves the work he did and knows why he did it, knows where it came from in his heart, in his mind, in his soul, and knew that he had to express that, that piece of work. And so that's you. God had to express you. You were in him. You were a thought. You were an idea. You were, you were an, an, a nudge. You were a, a, something that was laying on his heart, that he knew that he had to get out and that the world had to know you. And so he made you and he created you. And so I want to ask you, you know, have you ever felt less than or not good enough? I know I have. I know I, I have many, many times in my life. And I would like to say that I'm completely immune from that and I haven't ever felt it again. But it's just simply not true this is this is a tough place down here. It's hard to be in this world and not feel like you need to compete and to feel like you don't have to compare and contrast yourself to everybody else and decide whether, you know, where you are on the scale, on that vertical scale. Am I in the top 10%? Am I in the bottom 30%? You know, where am I? Am I, uh, you know, a loser? Am I sort of okay sometimes? Uh, and so, I know what it feels like to feel less than, to feel like I'm not measuring up, I'm not good enough. I mean, do you ever feel as if you'll never meet those expectations that people in your life have for you, or that the world is expecting, or that God is expecting even? You know, are are you striving? Are you exhausted? Are you always living? You know, that if only then kind of way of living kind of that way of thinking if only I could do this then I would be happy if only I could do this then I would be valued if only I didn't do this then and so if only I achieved success if only I got that promotion reached my goal weight if only I found my partner if only someone loved me fell in love with me I had this much money then I would be valued then I'd be worthy then I'd be good enough so I have been, I've been there. I know what that feels like, and it's a horrible feeling. And I want to say to you, you know, wow. You know, you and I, we're thinking to ourselves, are you kidding? You know, I think those thoughts all the time. Of course I think that, because we all do. And see, those thoughts certainly haunted me throughout most of my adolescent and a lot of my adult life. And, you know, many of you know that have listened to the show that I was adopted and so I always had this feeling that I wasn't good enough and that I had to prove that I was somehow worthy of being loved and accepted. That I had to work harder than other people because I, was, I got a second chance. And you know, you want to really understand that adopted people, even though it's wonderful that somebody wants you, generally people don't adopt people if they can have their own biological children. So there's this kind of strange feeling sometimes that adopted people feel kind of creeps into the back of their mind that, well, I'm kind of the second, I'm kind of the, you know, the, the second choice. Because if they really could have had those other children, they probably wouldn't have gotten me or, sorry, gotten isn't the word I know, but they all, you know, there's also this tendency to think that just the fact that I had to be adopted, why wouldn't my family want me or be able to take care of me? What would be that what would be the issue and and you see some of what humans do quite frequently is if i can make it be about me i can feel like i have more control over it see if i can think that i'm the problem well then maybe i'm the solution too instead of recognizing that maybe i'm not the problem at all maybe it's the people that created me on this planet they are the ones that maybe are struggling. Maybe they're the ones that they can't get their life together. They're the ones that can't have the ability to raise a child. And maybe it's them being really honest, and maybe it's them being really responsible and truly loving to say, you would have a terrible life if I kept you. So I'm going to give you to somebody that can do it, that can give you what you need. Well, that's all great in our head, right? And if you've ever talked to someone that's adopted, I get it logically. It sounds really good logically. But it doesn't always help me to feel it in my gut. So you see, we're all striving and trying to be good enough, and we, we we all are on this spinning wheel of trying to measure up to the world's value system and their performance and what they're expecting and what's the new latest thing and how we should look and talk and act and how much money we should have, what kind of jobs we should do and are we on the cutting edge of things and. You know, it's this value performance oriented behavior system. And it requires that, you know, people, you show people who you are and what you can do in order to convince them that you're valuable. Instead of recognizing that you have in, innate value, just because you were made, you have value. And just because somebody doesn't, quote unquote, appear to value you, can't really take away your value. And so this is what I want you to think about. These things that when we have a tendency to try to convince ourselves of value, we say to ourselves, I have the right to have the right kind of job. You know, I have to have that right kind of job. I have to look a certain way. I have to drive a certain type of car. I have to build this illusion that I have it all together. Because, you know, this is very deceptive. Because for a while, you might feel as if you're successful and valued on the outside. And you might feed on all the accolades and the compliments and, you know, know that, hey, on the measuring stick, I'm maybe above average and I've got the numbers to prove it. But really, it's never enough, is it? In truth, performance-oriented behavior, what we call that in the the field of psychology is I'm getting my worth and value based on how well I perform. And this is a trap because it keeps genuine fulfillment just out of your reach. Because it means that I always have to be on my game. And if I'm not, I hope nobody sees it. Because my value is only in how I look. How well I perform on my job. How much you enjoy being with me. How much money I make. Am I ahead of everybody? And so, you know, I experienced some outward success in my younger years. But I really did struggle with a lot of stress and disillusionment. On the outside, I've been pretty successful the majority of my life. But the fruits of that performance-oriented behavior, you know, it was dressed really nicely in all these wonderful trappings of success, but it was really not fulfilling at all. And I was left feeling more driven by anxiety and compulsion, immeasurably worse off than I had begun. And I felt lost and very far away from my purpose, and I finally reached the end of my own abilities, and I stepped off that spinning wheel and I took one step back to God. You know, and after running from him for a long time, I offered up my life. And I wasn't really sure if he even wanted it anymore because I had kind of resisted him and refused him and said, Yeah, I think I got, a, I think I got this going. I think I got a handle on things. So I don't really think I need you, God. I think I can take care of this on my own. And so I offered my life and it wasn't I didn't really feel like it was worth much and it felt really small and messy and imperfect and unworthy. And I kind of messed up my life. And I had messed it up with uh, with the purpose of trying to do my own efforts and I really couldn't comprehend that it was me that was of enormous value to God, not what I do. And that moment I realized my own value and it changed everything it doesn't mean every day i feel great about myself i gotta be honest with you i'm human right i mess up and i can be really hard on myself sometimes but when i really realize that value is innate it's not something you go and achieve it's not something you go acquire it's something that's built within the creation it comes with it so this is cynthia hyatt with conversations with cynthia Join me in this next segment as we talk more about really knowing your own value. I hear the. Whispers in my Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today and always make sure you check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com and you can also go to the radio website at 1360 KPXQ Talk Radio and all the shows are there as well. So just look me up as one of the hosts and you can listen to any of the shows that we've had over many, many, many years, five, six years. So I'm very glad that you joined me today and we are talking about your guaranteed value. And that elusive feeling that we all are striving for, and that's to feel like we're worth something, that we're wanted, that we're valuable. And I was talking a little bit about my own story of adoption in the first part of this hour and, and telling people how I came to this conclusion that I was of value to God. And it really was a step of faith and one of trust. It wasn't necessarily something I felt because the feelings kind of came later. The feelings came as I trusted what God said and said to myself, would God lie? Would God lie to me and tell me I'm of great value and that it really doesn't have anything to do with my performance, which is very contrary to the way we as humans think and the way our world is, it operates? And it was tough for me to trust that I didn't really have to do anything. And God would still die for me that God still wanted me and that he created me because he wanted me and not because I was maybe gonna do really anything for him other than possibly cause him some trouble and so I realized this idea about this is kind of how we feel about children even though we struggle and we might have feelings about them that are frustrating or or upset or hurt or disappointed we'd go to the end of the earth for them. We can't help it. Think about your pets. Um, You know, I'll tell you that last night, one of our neighbors, good friend of ours, we had driven up on our street and there she was out walking around and I knew she didn't look okay. And I said, what, you know, what's happening? She goes, my cat, my little kitty, my 17 year old cat is lost. She got out of the house. And so we told everybody in the neighborhood and this poor little kitty named holly and so she was distraught and and she just thought oh my gosh she's been gone since 7:30 this morning now it's 8:30 this evening and the hope that she would find this poor little thing and and you can see in the in her face just what it was doing to her and i know we have a cat and if our cat got escaped i would just i would be distraught because i would be so worried about this little cat i wouldn't be mad that she escaped or that she left when she knew she wasn't supposed to. I'd be first very worried about her own well-being. And, you know, this cat doesn't make my husband and I any money. (laughs) This cat costs us money. This cat doesn't do anything, doesn't clean the house. She doesn't do any tricks. She doesn't even talk. She's probably the quietest animal I've ever owned. But she's ours. She belongs to us. We wanted her. And so thankfully... Last night, around 1030, my husband saw some movement out on one of uh, part of our deck. And sure enough, it was this little kitty. And so he went and got our neighbors and they ran over and they picked up their little kitty who got to walk home and everybody's happily ever after, right? Well, think about you. Think versus a little just, our cat was an alley cat that we adopted from the vet. It's not like she cost really anything but she's ours and she belongs to us. And this is on a very small level how God feels about you. It's impossible to comprehend how his heart aches for you when you are lost. When he feels like he can't find you and you can't find him. When he's worried about the decisions you're making and worrying that you're going to be hurt. Wanting to let you figure your life out as well. But still wanting you to be okay. And not wanting you to chase value and try to get your value from people, from other people and hope they like you. And if they like you or approve of you, then somehow you're okay that day. Or get your value from how you look or how much money you make or what kind of job you have. The God says, you are valuable because I made you. You don't have to do anything. Now, certainly he wants us to live out our calling because he made us for a reason, but there have been many times in my life I was not walking out my calling. And I still was valuable to God. See, this idea turned my world upside down when I began to comprehend my value. And I began to understand how God thought about me. That he chose to create me. He chose to create you. And we see this beautiful verse in Psalms 139 when, when David beautifully depicts God's very ever-present interest in us. He says he searches us out. He knows us. He sees our every action. And he lovingly created our inmost being. He chose us. And David exclaims in this psalm, he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. See, we're incredibly loved and valued. Because choice is one of the biggest components of love. It's easy sometimes to feel love. It's another It's another thing to entirely choose to love. And from love comes the subsequent valuing of something or someone. See, God thought about us. He wanted us. He chose us and he acted on that choice. There's great value in this understanding. The valuing of something is always indicative of the effort, the time and the sacrifice, the price that's applied, the belonging to And the determination to be sought out, to be acquired. That's what God did. Did use tremendous effort, put tremendous time and thought, paid a high price to be with each and every one of us. Each and every human has the opportunity to be with God forever, in eternity, regardless of their performance. The only thing they have to do is choose. They have to choose to want to be with him. One of the ways that I show someone I love them is I choose to be in relationship with them. I reciprocate. See, God thought about you. He chose you. He wanted you. He still wants you. It's not like he's shocked and surprised at what he's gotten. It wasn't like when Michael and I adopted this little kitty that somehow we thought we were going to be getting, I don't know, a quarter horse and we were dismayed, we knew we were getting a cat, we wanted a cat, we got a cat. Well, God knew he wanted a Cynthia, so he made me, he got me. That's what I am. And so there's great value, and there's even greater truth about his love, that we have guaranteed value from him. That value can't be earned, and it can't be revoked. So when you think of the words guaranteed, and the word value, then you touch on the idea that humans have two very important emo- emotional and psychological needs. The first one is to feel important, to feel special, to feel they have worth, value. And the second, that depends on those feelings that, are, that, that makes it true. They want to think that that value is guaranteed, that there's security with that. Every human has that need to know that if you say you love me, you really mean it, and I can count on it, and it's a guarantee, it's secure, and it doesn't mean I have to be perfect all the time in order to keep that guarantee secure. So this is why God reiterates over and over again throughout the Bible how valuable you are, that you have great worth, and furthermore, you can believe with complete confidence. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We're at the half hour. Join me for the next, the last part of this half hour as we talk more about your guaranteed value. I hear the whispers in my th- Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you, if you're just joining us, we are at the half hour mark. So I want to make sure that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com or visit 1360 KPXQ Faith Talks website and you can listen to the show in its entirety. And we are talking today about guaranteed value, that your value is guaranteed and how important that security, that feeling of security that I can trust that I am still valued even if I'm failing even if I'm not likable someday, even if I don't look good, I haven't acted well. Maybe I'm not even contributing very much at that time in my life. But to know I'm still of value simply because I'm me. And one of the greatest ways to know how valuable you are is that there's only one of you. It's not like we have, I don't know, 100 Cynthia Hyatt's and they're throughout the course of time and so if that one doesn't do well that's okay another one's going to show up at some point there's only me I'm a a one time occurring person I can't be replicated and so that's what you want to think about how very powerful that is because see the world establishes value based on what you do based on who you know, how you look what you own, how much money you have And your value in the world system can fluctuate just as easily as the stock market from day to day. See, God's economy doesn't work that way. He created us. He knew us before the beginning of time. And he knew the purpose he had for us. And he was willing to put effort to bring his vision to completion. To commit to the process of you. And to know that you, that I, were a diamond in the rough but we have great inherent value. See, he's not depending on us to ensure our own value. Can you imagine if a diamond had to try to make itself valuable? It's either valuable or it's not. It has no power over making itself valuable. See, the creator, the purchaser, the one that's committed determines the value of the object. And the thing that tells us how, how valued we are by God is that he doesn't even treat us as an object. He wants relationship. See, it's hard to have relationship with your car, right? We all kind of do because humans have a tendency, because we are so relational, to have relationship with inanimate objects frequently. That's not unusual, and I'm telling you it's not diagnosable. So, But what you want to think about is, God didn't want to just have relationship with his creation, the planet, the world, the animals. He wanted friends. So he created humans. He created a being that replicates his heart, his mind, that is like him. And so this is where you want to think about. In Philippians 1.6, it says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That means there's no arrival here on the planet. When he thought us and then he bought us, he bought us with a high price. He knew what he was getting into. I mean, what a relief. I'm, I was so relieved when I really realized that this is no shock to God. Cynthia Hyde is not a shock to God. He's like saying to Jesus, Well, okay, you know what today is. Today is the day that she makes that really big mistake. He already knew everything before he formed me. And he has seen every minute, every second of my life. And then he walks every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every year. He walks those out with me as he has already known them all. I mean, what a relief. We can relax. And simply follow him, trusting that he's going to complete that good work in us. See, he's not fixing you up to make us to make you valuable. That's an important concept. He's not making you more valuable. He's not increasing your value. He's fixing you up because you are valuable. And sin has entered the world. And it's taken its toll and it has stolen things from you. And God is replacing, repairing, and renewing and restoring. That's the God that we know. That's the God that loves you. That's the God that establishes your value. Our God, our creator. Nothing else matters as far as our true value is concerned. Our value is intrinsic, and I cannot drive this point home enough. It doesn't come from anything we do or create. It originates from our creator, and we're made in the image of God. And this instills value in and of itself. People that are not producing anything in our, in our world are still a value. We take care of them. Serial killers that are child molesters, that are being executed. You know how much trouble jails get into if they don't, if they don't do that appropriately? Because even though that human is messed up, there's still a value. And we humanely end their life. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the last segment as we talk about your guaranteed value. I hear the whispers in my well, welcome back. This is Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm your host, Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for continuing in the show with me. And I hope this is giving you just some encouragement, but more than anything, I want it to give you a platform. I want it to give you just something to really stand on. And so I'm going to give you a great analogy when I teach um, patients in my office about value. And I say to them, okay, listen, you know, if um, you were walking down the road and you look down and there's a hundred dollar bill sitting on the street, people have walked on it. Are you going to pick it up? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to pick it up, right? It's $100. Well, what happens if you, I don't know, go put gas in your car and you put some of the trash from your car into the trash can and as you put it in, you notice there's a $100 bill in the trash. Someone dropped it in the trash. You think you're going to pick it up out of there and take it? Absolutely. Absolutely. What if it's like in a dumpster, okay? Well, we can maybe clean it up. It's $100. What if it was used to buy drugs? Imagine if the $100 bill that you received for change came with, I don't know, its history of where it's been. So it was used to buy drugs. Maybe it was used to in prostitution. uh, Who knows the crime that maybe that $100 was a part of? Well, does that change its value? It's still $100. So I want you to think about inherent value in this way. You're worth far more than $100. Millions, millions. You're worth so much, God died over you, died for you. That's your worth. So no matter where you've been, what you've done, how messy your life is, how ripped up, shredded, torn, dirty, whatever, it's still valuable. So I like this. This is Romans 9, chapter 20. And, I mean, cha- chapter 9, verse 20, out of the Message Bible. And it says, Who in the world do you think you are to second-guess God? Do you for one moment suppose any of us knows enough to call God into question? Clay doesn't talk back to the fingers that mold it and say, Why did you shape me like this? Isn't it obvious that a potter has a perfect right to shape one lump of clay any way he wants? If God needs one style of pottery for this, then he designs it. If he needs another style for something else, he crafts it that way to show his goodness. So anything that God makes is a value. And this is what I want you to think about. When Isaiah, he maintains the same emphasis. He says, if each grain of sand on the seashore were numbered and the sum labeled chosen of God they'd be numbers still not names salvation comes by personal selection God doesn't count us he calls us by name arithmetic is not his focus I love that God's not doing checks and balances in heaven as he's saying well Cynthia's getting a little bit closer to the number of points she needs to get into heaven and spend eternity with me no he's not putting a number on me He's saying, well, she's one million, two thousand, five hundred and thirty nine thousand, one hundred and one. I think we still have enough room in heaven. No, he doesn't do arithmetic. He's not keeping score. And so Psalms 139, verses three through 16, it says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside and then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you high God your breathtaking body and soul I am marvelously made let's just stop there for a minute that might sound arrogant to you for David to be saying and exclaiming to God my body and my soul are marvelously made but actually what he's doing is giving credit to God he's acknowledging the truth and reality of what God has made and the nicest thing is if you have ever created something when someone enjoys it. What if you've created a wonderful meal and everybody is oohing and awing over the meal? They're saying, oh my gosh, this is the best thing I've ever tasted ever. You're the most amazing cook. How did you do that? Well, see, God loves it when we oo and awe over what he has made. Whether it be the earth, the sky, the oceans, the animals, the plants, the flowers, his people. When we say, They're marvelously made. And so he goes on to say, You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I lived one of those days. How beautifully, wonderfully made I am. So that doesn't mean I feel it all the time. But just because I don't feel it doesn't make it tr- mean it's not true. Right? Just because I feel like somebody might be mad at me doesn't make it true. Just because I feel like someone doesn't value me doesn't make it true. And so we go on and we see in Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 and 31, it says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the father. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. So fear not, because you are far more valuable than many sparrows. So if he has counted the sparrows, And he goes even farther to say, you are so valuable to me. I've counted the numbers of hairs on your head. I know you that well. Down to the cellular part of your being. I know you and love you that much. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, I love this. It says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you prophet to the nations. So what is God saying there? He's saying before you were formed, I knew you. I had an idea of you and I knew why I made you, why you're down here on earth and what the point is. Before you were born, I consecrated you to do your calling. This is what we want to be saying to God. If I'm beautifully, wonderfully made and I'm made for a reason, God help me to know that reason. Help me to walk that out and help me not to fight with you on why I'm here and what my calling is, no matter how much the world appreciates it, no matter how small it looks in the world's eyes, no matter how fun it is, no matter how, I don't know, boring it might be from any given day. But God, help me do why you made me. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and 34, I love this. It says, therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you eat, what you drink, or about your body, what you put on it, Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither reap nor sow nor gather it into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And which of you, really, by being anxious, think of that, which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour, a minute to your life? So why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Now, when God says, why are you anxious about clothing? Really, what he's saying is, what are you you worried so much about how you look? How come you're worried so much about that? The way we look down here is temporary. This is not, you know, our bodies perish, our bodies die. Our souls, our minds go to be in eternity. We don't take this body with us. And so this is where you want to say to yourself, I need to not be anxious about these things. This is how God sees us. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? This is what he's saying. There is nothing on this earth that can separate you from me. I love you that much. Not even you can separate yourself from me. When you've chosen me, I will hold on to you. I will not lose you. So Galatians 1.10 says, Hey, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? So if I were still trying to please people, it would be hard to be a servant of Christ. I can't please two masters. So let's really think about this. And, I, and, and I liked, I'm going to give you this last verse because this is one of my favorites. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. And it says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. And then he goes on in Jeremiah and he says, listen, I planned it all out. I plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And when you call on me, when you pray to me, I'm going to listen. And when you come looking for me, you'll find me. When you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I'll turn things around for you. I'll bring you back from all the countries into which I drove you. I'll bring you home to the place from which I sent you off into exile. You can count on it. So God says over and over and over again how much he loves you, how much you mean to him, how much you matter to him. And so I want you to really think about this. When you are struggling with what the world is trying to tell you, when it seems like the world is telling you that you, you don't measure up, but you don't matter for anything, there's nothing about you that, that, that is of any value. Think about the $100 bill. We can't do anything to increase or decrease a $100 bill. It owns its own value, and it's guaranteed by, by our, 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 our entire country. And so the same way that your value is guaranteed by God, it doesn't depend on you. What I want you to do is relax and just walk it out. I want you just to enjoy figuring out who you are, knowing that God is revealing you to you every day if you pay attention. So you can't mess it up. So though we sin, our mistakes and our blunders are seen through the eyes of love. Attachment, God's attached to us. We belong to him. And our sin, though it's grievous to him, because he knows the consequences. He doesn't want us to have consequences. That sin isn't reflective of our value. It's not reflective of our own authenticity or why God made us. This is where you want to consider the fact that he determined your value because he's the creator. You don't determine your own value. So please know that at your worst, Christ died for you before you knew that you even needed God, before you knew he was even wanted, you were even wanted by him, he valued you. And so he says in Romans 5, 8 again, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So even when we're nothing in the terms of the world, we are valued by God. Before we ever knew him, he valued us wow, this truth is guaranteed. It's revolutionary and it's counterculture, counter to our culture. It's utterly inconceivable to our human minds that someone could love us in any state we're in. But die for us? That's unimaginable. So even in my darkest hour, when I feel and felt absolutely nothing, like I felt like I had nothing to offer God, he scooped me up and he called me valued. He took all my plans, my missteps, my striving, and he redeemed me with his love, and he showed me I was his child. He bought me. He paid for me. God was and is enough. I was and am good enough. That's for you today. Hold on to that. God bless you. Join me next week. We're going to talk more about really your value, your worth, and why you're here.